0: This special bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus Ask an Expert episode, I'm joined by Dr. Belinda Welsh, a fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists and winner of the Australasian College of Dermatologists Travelling Fellowship. Dr. Welsh opened her solo dermatology practice in 2002. In 2010, she was joined by friend of the podcast, Dr. Cara McDonald, and the two founded Complete Skin Specialists. Having served as the chair of the Victorian Faculty of Dermatologists and currently holding the position of vice president of the Australasian Society of Cosmetic Dermatologists, Dr. Welsh was who I felt was the ideal doctor to answer your questions on all things skin rejuvenation. Away from our regular brand founder conversations, I am asked so many highly specific questions about the skin. Given that I am an educated consumer and by no means an expert, it would be extremely unethical for me to even attempt to address your skin concerns, which is why I insist on taking those questions to a medical doctor. This Ask an Expert series gives you, the Glow Journal audience, unprecedented access to medical doctors, professors, and dermatologists. And while this episode is sponsored by Candela Medical, doctors legally and ethically have to remain completely objective in interviews like this. For this reason, this series is giving you, the listeners, completely unbiased expert answers to your most specific skin questions questions that I cannot answer myself. As mentioned this episode is sponsored by Candela however all of Dr. Welsh's views are entirely her own and as per any interview with a doctor you will hear no specific product recommendations throughout the recording. This conversation was recorded remotely so for those who would prefer to read the answers to their questions I've made the entire transcript available on glowjournal.com. To find this transcript, simply visit glowjournal.com and search Candela Medical. In this episode, we've taken the questions you submitted on overall skin rejuvenation to Dr. Welsh, from whether or not over-the-counter products can actually help with pigmentation and if gentle skin resurfacing is at all possible from home, through to the link between sensitive skin and redness, and if clinical skin treatments really are a permanent solution to our skin woes. A broad one to begin with a listener has asked when dermatologists talk about skin rejuvenation, what does that actually mean?
1: Fabulous question. <laughs> Fabulous. We we do sort of talk in these broad terms, but rejuvenation is just a word that describes renewal to make younger. And so, you know, when we're trying to rejuvenate somebody's skin, we're just simply trying to improve its quality, its texture to make it more youthful. And for most people, that is addressing the signs of sun damage. And for some people, they don't show up for a while. For others, they start pretty early. And so that's effectively what we're trying to do is to freshen up your skin.
0: So what are some of those signs that the skin might need a bit of rejuvenating?
1: The most common signs of sun exposure or sun damage tend to be the development of uh, pigmentation. So that's a pretty broad term and that can mean different things to different people. But pigmentation can be as simple as freckles and that can be something that's genetic. But over time, uh, that pigmentation can uh, present itself as fixed darker spots like a big freckle that just is really hard to shift And we call them a lentigo. So that's just a big freckle, generally from the sun. Uh, And then there's this sort of word we use called dyschromia or solar dyschromia, which is that muddy sort of background, more diffuse, widespread pigmentation that happens over time, can be a bit patchy. So sort of brown pigmentation, and that's a sign that your pigment cells have just really gone into overdrive as a result of of that sun. The second thing is... uh, redness patchy redness capillaries uh, and so they are just represent little dilated blood vessels under the skin and they happen partially because the collagen underneath the skin acts like packing material and it packs around those blood vessels quite tightly and if you lose collagen in the packing materials you can imagine that those blood vessels kind of dilate up and they can become more visible through the surface of the skin so that's brown, red. And then finally, you know, you just start to see these little fine lines and wrinkles. And that's also a representation that you're losing that collagen, you're losing that plumpness under the skin, which is meaning that it looks dehydrated. Now, that means, again, different things to different people. It doesn't mean you just need more water, but it just means that your skin's lost a little bit of its tone and elasticity. So they can start, you know, and we all age in different Ways. And when I say age, most people think of aging as just what we call intrinsic aging, which is just our body's own genetic programming. But actually, most aging is photo aging, which is sun
0: induced. A few listeners have asked Are there ways that we can undergo skin rejuvenation or renewal at home? OK, well,
1: I am going to be really boring here because I'm, <laughs> gonna, <laughs> I'm going to tell everyone that, you know, your skin is your skin reflects your general health. And I think it's so important not to forget that because, you know, if you want to start rejuvenating and looking youthful and vibrant and glowing, you've got to start with your general health. And you can throw as many skincare products as you like at your skin, but if you're smoking and you're drinking too much and you're not sleeping and you're stressed, it'll show. So I'm going to start with, you know, we bang on about sunscreen for good reason, but I'll start there every single day. Um, And the next thing is don't smoke, minimise alcohol, eat well. That is so underestimated how your diet and your general health reflects. Um, Exercise, again, really important. Sleep, try and manage stress. It's different for different people, but try and manage it so that healthy lifestyle is critical. All right. So step one, do that. Step two is, um, you know, skincare products. And I'm sure you have a very, very well educated audience, Gemma. (laughs) Very well educated. And they've probably heard a lot of the same things from all the dermatologists. And we talk about, you know, sunscreen, I mentioned that. And then, you know, sort of anti-inflammatory skincare And then your antioxidants, so vitamin B3, you know, vitamin C, and other antioxidants, and vitamin A. We love vitamin A, Mm. retinol, and uh, the retinoic acid that we tend to prescribe. So I think you know you can get home peels, you can get all sorts of devices, and God knows what. But you know sometimes it's a false economy. Buying all that stuff, if you're not looking after your general health, is a waste of money. You're never going to look fantastic if you're not looking after your general health. So I would say, do all those things, have a pretty simple skincare regime, incorporating those those active products, and you're well on the way.
0: Another listener has asked... This is, you know, further to what we've just talked about, but she's asked, is there a way that I can gently resurface my skin at home a little more intensely than just using a scrub or AHAs and BHAs, or is it best to visit a clinic for anything beyond just exfoliating?
1: I think that's a great question. And I, my, my gut feeling is to say visit a visitor clinic, because mm-hmm. one of the big things that we see, and this, I might bring this up again a bit later on, is that a little bit's okay. We all have this, the skin is accessible, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we all have this sort of feeling that if a little bit's good, geez, more must be better. But it really doesn't work like that. And a lot of the time when I'm seeing people, they've actually overdone it. You know, they've kind of launched and thought, well, I am just going to go for it and peel and resurface and actually have ended up with a dermatitis or inflammation as a result of that. So more is not always better. Now, some people's skin can hack it. You can throw a lot at it and they'll really tolerate it quite well. But others and most actually don't. So I would suggest that if you're wanting something a little bit stronger, for example, some peels, which is usually the next step, um, I would suggest get it done with uh, a skincare professional. And that way you'll just avoid getting yourself into trouble by over resurfacing, which for most people kind of ends up being exfoliating, whether that be mechanical or chemical and then thinking, oh, now I've got a problem, I better do more. So so I would say get some advice.
0: While we're still on home care and topicals, the three things that popped up the most when I asked our audience to submit questions were the treatment of pigmentation, so melasma, dark sunspots, Uh, the treatment of redness and also just a general lack of glow and that kind of brightness in the skin. A lot of people were dealing with a really kind of dull lacklustre complexion, which I think is so common coming into winter. Do we Mm. need to treat those three concerns individually?
1: Uh, Look, it depends. I think possibly some people might have these individually without the others. Uh, but usually when you're treating one, you can help the others. So it's a bit of a tough question because as a dermatologist, a thousand things run through my mind in terms of possible Diagnoses. And I look at the end of the day, that is the issue is that you need a diagnosis for what's going on. And, you know, if you are sort of constantly trying to use products to fix these things without knowing what the true problem is, you can end up getting yourself caught. So I think if it's primarily pigmentation, um, you know, there definitely are products that are more geared to pigment. And they tend to be um, products that are anti-inflammatory, so niacinamide, and then your antioxidants, sort of kojic acid, uh, butin vitamin C. Um, unfortunately, we always keep telling people what to look for in their skincare ingredients, uh, in their products, but that is the reality. So um, those sort of products are very good for pigment. And melasma, as I'm sure your listeners well know, is notoriously hard to treat Mm -hmm. Um, you know anyone who knows anything will be very realistic about that so it's sunscreen active products as i mentioned and then sometimes we just need prescription treatments to shift it melasma can be in the top layer of skin so sometimes you can have success with topical products to shift that and peels other times it can, some of that pigment can be a bit, little bit deeper. So that is very hard to treat. So I usually recommend starting with those skincare products. Then we might go to prescription creams containing hydroquinone. Kojic acid is very good. So I think if you can find something with kojic acid, that's, that's very helpful. Um, Azelaic acid is something people can also find over the counter. Um, So that's uh, worthwhile adding in. And then, of course, uh, you know, we will use uh, peels and sometimes even oral medication for melasma, which we're using a bit more of. Lasers are fraught with difficulty and I don't usually, look, usually I don't recommend lasers at all. So I'm sure you've had many topics on melasma, but we, we try and stay away from lasers because Even though you can get early improvements, sometimes it will bounce back and it's not a long-term fix. So it's money that is not worth spending often in the long term. Um, So dark sunspots, sometimes all the skincare in the world will not shift those and we need to use uh, other modalities in in our clinic to shift them. They are very hard to treat. You can lighten them a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, redness, there's many causes for redness. And sometimes it just represents inflammation. Sometimes it may be capillaries. Capillaries cannot be moved with skincare. And we need to laser those to improve them. So uh, I, I wouldn't recommend trying for a long time to remove capillaries with any type of skincare because it just doesn't work. General lack and glow and brightness. That's a good one. <laughs> I think, you know, it depends on your age too. Look, one reason that your skin might be like that is because your general health's not well but not good and i think that is usually number one so you know you just got to think about that smoking is diabolical the next thing is i think if it's if you're pretty well and you've just got a a general lack of glow the alpha hydroxy acids you know that just a little bit of chemical exfoliating is very nice um and they can often give you a bit of an instant lift Important to sort of keep moisturising so you don't dry your skin out too much, but um, overall, those, those, gly- the uh, AHAs, glycolic lactic acids, a little bit of beta salicylic, uh, beta AHAs, which is beta hydroxy acid, sorry, which is the um, salicylic acid also helps to sort of get you some gentle exfoliation. So that's probably a pretty good place to start. Sorry, Gemma, it's a very broad question. It's hard oh, to sort of address it. all those
0: things in the one. Oh, do not apologise. The more in-depth, the happier <laughs> I am. So we've touched on some ingredients there. In the same vein, a listener has asked, I love this question, can over-the-counter products actually help with pigmentation or do I need the stronger stuff?
1: Yeah, look, I think that's a pretty realistic question.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs>
1: And you know it is good. Look, you, you can you can help fade it a little bit. And there's no doubt we've had a lot of success with people just improving their skincare with over the counter products and appropriate stuff, and also using it regularly. Mm. You know, I think you've got to commit. And that's the other thing. You know, you won't see results in two weeks. Don't be sucked into that. You need to hang in there for three months, six months because it really does take time. So that's sort of the first thing to do is hang in there. But if you get to sort of four or five months and you are not seeing any improvement, you've chosen all those ingredients and you've stuck at your routine, that's when you need to go, right, I need some help. And number one, I need a diagnosis. And number two, based on that, then we need to decide what's best to to do. Because, you know, melasma, Absolutely, is usually going to need that next level prescription. You can get a two percent hydroquinone cream over the counter, mm-hmm. but that's as much as we you know is legally able to be um, dispensed by chemists. Beyond that, you know, it's a prescription item, and you know often uh, for let's say melasma, I think it's better if we put a name on it so if we're Mm -hmm. talking about melasma we need to usually use hydroquinone which is our go-to at about four to eight percent but we usually sit around four or five percent so it's not irritating um there is a new cream that is out out there not necessarily available in australia yet called Mm systemy and that's shown some good results for skin lightening and particularly melasma. So that's kind of an exciting thing that's on the horizon. It's probably about as good as hydroquinone, can be a little bit irritating. So that's a product that we might have to just sort of watch for the moment. So, you know, hydroquinone's been around for 60 years and frustratingly we still struggle to find a really good cream that is able to lighten to quite the same degree. Um, We do use oral medication now, traninamic acid for some types of melasma. That can be helpful, but that's obviously a prescription item. And that, you know, in some people can help uh, quite well, but it seems to have a good safety profile. Um, And then, you know, we'll do some light, light peels for some people whose skin can tolerate it. So bottom line, probably
0: yes, One listener writes in saying, I'm 34, I use retinol 1.25 every night and vitamin B3. Is there anything else I should be using for pigmentation? Now, I'm going to assume she's talking more about post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation rather than sort of very dark spots and melasma. Okay,
1: so post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is again another tough one. And the reason is that That type of pigmentation occurs because the pigment in the pigment cells is deeper in the skin. And I often say to people, think of it a little bit like a tattoo. The pigment cells sit at the junction of our epidermis and dermis, and they donate melanin, or the colour of our skin, in little packages up to the epidermal cells. So most, if you're lucky, a lot of, if you've got increased pigmentation, it's sitting up there high on the skin. And so if we increase that skin cell turnover, we can actually help shed it. But in post-inflammatory pigmentation, there's been inflammation. The junction between the two layers of the skin has been damaged. And some of that melanin that's sitting in a little package, like a little bit of tattoo ink has dropped down deeper into the skin and it's sitting there a little bit like tattooed um, pigment. So it actually becomes really hard to shift and a lot of topical products cannot do that because they don't get down deep enough. So with post-inflammatory pigment, we have to wait for Mother Nature to do her very best to send in cells to sort of gobble up that pigment and carry it away. So that's where... Um, you know, the topicals are a little bit more frustratingly slow or don't work as well if we're talking about that. And I think it's a good idea to sort of flag different types of pigmentation as we go because, you know, just talking about it as one broad category doesn't always explain it that well. So that's a good idea, Gemma. Um, So I would add in, you could certainly add in some kojic acid, some arbutin um, and uh, some vitamin C; those antioxidants will help, but I think they will help your overall skin, not necessarily shift that deeper pigment. Even lasers don't do such a good job, mm-hmm. so you know it's it's that's a frustrating
0: one. A question that popped up quite a few times was: Are there any products or treatments that are? breastfeeding and pregnancy safe that can help with skin rejuvenation, specifically pigmentation and redness?
1: Okay, so number one, I'm always going to say sunscreen. So you can definitely use a sunscreen while you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, With pigmentation, uh, the vitamin B3 niacinamide um, and it is actually very good as an all rounder. It helps with pigmentation, but it also helps as an anti inflammatory. So, if there's a little bit of redness there from inflammation, then that's a good one. Um, azelaic acid is another one that's over the counter and available in a number of products. Uh, kojic acid, again, is quite good. Um, and safe in pregnancy. We stay away from hydroquinone, we stay away from the retinols, and I think your audience probably knows that. Uh, Anything that's vitamin A, we're very cautious of. Um, The redness in pregnancy is probably partially related to being pregnant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got a massively increased blood volume, you're flushed. And so it's a little bit hard to sort of fix redness during pregnancy because of the pregnancy. So I think that's something that, you know, some people just have to tolerate a little bit. They feel hot, they feel flushed in the face. And so, you know, creams that will help settle inflammation like B3 is definitely worthwhile. But also to just be aware that when you're pregnant, your skin is changed. And there's no way of predicting what it's going to do in any one person. Some people's skin glows and they've got this sort of wonderful pregnancy look and others just end up with acne and they flush. And, you know, it's, that depends very much on your genetics and it can change from pregnancy to pregnancy. So I would say just try not to stress about it too much <laughs> because, you know, you, you're up against it you know your hormones and your physiologic state to some degree and it's okay to wear makeup and it's okay to do that to walk out the door feeling confident so you know don't try and think you can walk out the door absolutely makeup free because sometimes you just need a bit of help
0: I know that feeling let's talk (laughs) a little bit more we all do Gemma (laughs) let's talk a little bit more about redness the majority of listeners who wrote in with questions about redness also said that they have quite sensitive or reactive skin do redness and sensitivity go hand in hand and if so why
1: well they absolutely can go hand in hand and and sensitive or reactive skin and redness often that redness represents inflammation and um you know any, anywhere on our skin, when it becomes inflamed, it becomes red. And especially on the face, because there's lots of blood vessels, we flush very easily. So I think that that group do have to be really careful with what type of products they put on their skin. And, you know, we're all out there searching for that one thing or that group of products that's going to magically fix what our problem is. Um, but the, the key is not to overdo it if you've got reactive skin and, you know, sometimes less is more in this group. You've just got to pair it right back and use a cream-based cleanser that's not drying you out and not stripping the oil out of your skin and then use a, you know, a gentle moisturiser. Start with that. You might find you can add in products with vitamin B3, anti-inflammatory, Um, But I'd sort of recommend if you've got that type of skin, staying away from too many actives. You know, antioxidants might be tolerated. Vitamin C can be a little bit irritating for these this group. But, you know, the stronger products that are going to act as exfoliants, you might want to stay well away from. Um, There's a lot of reasons why you can be red. And some people often have skin conditions that they don't realise. And they can have things like seborrheic dermatitis, or low-grade rosacea, or um, you know keratosis pilaris. All these conditions can contribute to that sort of skin. And unless you have a diagnosis for what that is, and you might need some medical treatment, you'll often find that you really will struggle to find any skincare that will fix it. Less is more, though. Don't irritate it. <laughs> it's my key.
0: I imagine there will be a bit of an overlap in this question and the last. But what are your biggest recommendations for reducing redness? I've had a listener write in saying that she wants to go foundation-free, but people keep asking her if she is sunburned.
1: I think that group—that's a—that's a really common um, group that you know have that persistent background fixed redness, so that sort of constant background flushy look with what we call transient flushing on top of it. And often that tends to be a little bit of rosacea. Rosacea is incredibly common, um, you know, especially in Celtic skin. And by Celtic skin, I mean sort of northern European, pale, fair-skinned people. And it can start quite early. And uh, often, you know, people in their 20s or 30s might notice they flush a bit and they flush a bit and their skin's okay. But after a while, that redness just doesn't fully go away. And you tend to have to use just that little bit more makeup to cover it. And then people are saying, are you sunburned? What's the problem? And it gets really frustrating. And the minute they say to you, Oh, you look a bit red. Well, there you go. You're fully red because you're flushed and you're self-conscious about it. And that can be really, really quite, um, quite psychologically upsetting for a lot of people. So uh, I think for that group, if we're diagnosing that as a bit of erythematotelangiectatic adjectatic rosacea, vascular laser is really very good for that group of people. And it's a very safe in the right hands, vascular lasers, very safe, very effective. You might need two or three up to four treatments and we can control that type of redness very well. The second thing I say to people in that group is going makeup free is Nirvana. you know we all want to be makeup free and just a little, little bit of tinted sunscreen and off we go out the door but look unfortunately if you want to have your skin it depends on what you want but if you want to have flawless skin that looks fabulous we all have to use a little bit of makeup and I try and just say to people you know we don't all have perfect skin that can you know Cope with no makeup. And also, especially if you have redness, it'll fluctuate during the day. You know, there'll be times when you're fine, but there'll be times when it'll flush up because you're hot or you're a little bit stressed or there's emotion. And you will want perhaps a little bit of foundation to give you that confidence that it's not that visible. So I, I try and be a little bit realistic about the whole makeup free situation terrific but um we all need it i mean look i i really battled with rosacea myself for many years and i i would say that i understand the effect it has on your mental health mm-hmm. and you know your confidence and your self esteem i've got it under great control now we can't cure it but we can control it but you know what i still flush and I still walk out the door. I think my skin's pretty good, but I still walk out the door every day with that bit of makeup over my nose and cheeks because I know that if I see it flush or somebody says to me, gee, you're flushed, it sets off this sort of flushing response that then actually makes it worse. And it's subconscious. So if you can control that by having that bit of confidence, I think it's helpful.
0: You've given me a perfect segue into clinical treatments. I had a number of listeners write in with questions about laser with one listener asking, is laser or microneedling a better investment for skin rejuvenation?
1: Great question. And, you know, this is confusing for everybody. I think it very much depends on your age and the degree of sun damage you've got. So if you're younger and you've really got pretty good skin and you just want a little bit of a tone up, micro needling's fine. Um, but microneedling doesn't always give dramatic results. Um, and effectively what it's caused, there's several ways of doing it. There's just um, what we call cold microneedling, where it's you're just actually having little needles in your skin with no extra energy. Um, and then there's what the most common one probably is radio radiofrequency microneedling, where the little needles go in and then, you know, you buzz a little bit of energy through and that's almost a little bit like electricity that bounces between those little needles and that sort of, heats up uh, the collagen and then asks our skin to repair it. So that has more oomph than just cold microneedling, but either of them are probably pretty weak as rejuvenators. You need multiple treatments. It doesn't last. So it can get a little bit expensive if you're doing it all the time. However, younger skin, not too bad. Very nice option. Um, If you're a little bit older, you've got a little bit more sun damage, there are other types of lasers that'll give you more results. And they basically all lasers, what we call dump heat into your collagen to ask it to repair itself. So we might do that with other types of lasers, the fractional non-ablative lasers, which heat the skin, but don't vaporise it. And then, of course, we can pull out the big guns, which is the CO2 laser, and that sends little micro columns of energy down into the skin, but it actually vaporises tissue. So because we've given it more of an injury, it has to use more energy to heal, and that's where you get probably your best results. But the higher you go up that ladder, the more downtime you're going to get, and, you know, sometimes the more expensive it might be because it's a more involved treatment. So depends on your age and depends on your degree of skin damage. But I think if you're older, I wouldn't really – and when I say older, probably over 50, microneedling is probably not going to give you a, you know, significant improvement.
0: Mm-hmm. On laser, I had a few people write in asking about Light & Bright because we'd published a um, an IGTV episode on it recently. For anyone who maybe hasn't seen that episode, that video, in as much or as little detail as you wish, what is the Light and Bright treatment and what does it do for the skin?
1: Well, Light and Bright is a combination treatment and... You'll find that a lot of doctors, dermatologists now like combination treatments because they address multiple issues in the one session. So this one combines an IPL, which is an intense pulsed light, with a non-ablative fractional treatment. So that's like quite sort of involved. So let me walk you through that. So probably I think a lot of your listeners would be very familiar with IPL. IPL's been around for a long time, and it's a very nice way of addressing redness and pigmentation. So, we're trying now to address color and texture with this combination. So, the color is addressed by the IPL, so that'll pick up brown pigmentation, freckles, those solar lentigines I mentioned, um, and uh, any type of background uh, dyschromia, and it also targets capillaries, redness. And that's because it, it pulses out broad-based light, which can pick up those various things, and it targets those different things in the skin. So that gives you your your light, it's lightening up your skin. And then in the same session, we then follow it up with this FRAX treatment. So FRAX is really just a, uh, a oh, this Descriptive term to describe this uh, fractional ablative, where we're sending little micro columns of energy deeper into the skin. We're trying to injure the skin, deliver heat in a certain way so that the skin has to repair itself. But because we're doing little these micro columns, they're surrounding normal skin, which can help with the repair process. So it actually repairs very quickly. So this light and bright treatment is sort of been given that name by Candela, uh, who make uh, the Nautilus, which is the treatment, uh, which is the multi-platform treatment that we use to deliver this um and so it's a proprietary name really so that's a it's just a nice treatment to address several skin concerns and that second part of the treatment is we're boosting that collagen and that gives you that bright
0: glow is one treatment enough to start seeing results or do you need to undergo a course of treatments
1: look for most of these things Gemma you need a course of treatment Mm. um Look, I think most people will definitely notice an improvement after one treatment. And, again, it depends on your degree of sun damage. So, And it depends on the confidence of your operator knowing how much energy they can deliver in one session to deliver you sort of results. So I do think one treatment will do it. Um, Nobody's signed up, certainly with us. We never sign anyone up to a series of treatment. We recommend it. But if you think you've had a nice result after one, fantastic. We're happy. But we do find with these sort of treatments that um, uh, three is ideal. We usually recommend they're about a month apart. uh, And then we're sort of trying to sort of lay down that collagen and front end all that treatment and then get you to continue with your skincare afterwards to maintain your results. But even then, you often need sort of maintenance treatment Every, maybe one every six or 12 months just to keep that result. And is there any downtime? Yes, there's a couple of days downtime. It's actually quite friendly, this treatment, actually. So if you've got a lot of pigmentation, um, your dark spots will tend to darken. They'll crust up a little bit and they'll peel off. Now, for some people with a lot of dark spots, that might take up to a week. After you've had the treatment, you look like you're a bit sunburned. And that sunburn, though, will often fade within a couple of days. So makeup afterwards, not a problem. You can sort of cover up pretty much straight away. And then, um, you know, I would say up to a week, but two days for the redness and most people are back at work quite quickly.
0: A listener says, I am really keen to get the light and bright treatment that you posted about how young is too young to start?
1: Question: Well, I'd like to know how young your listener is, but I would say <laughs> most of the time um, there's there's no really too young an age. This is a treatment that is absolutely fine for any age, and uh, I would I think it's better for younger people on the whole. So you know, less than fifty. Um, but if you've got good skin over fifty, fantastic treatment for that as well. Um, but we, we use these kinds of treatments for acne scarring. So even people in their teenage years can have it if they've got difficulty with acne scarring or some fine um, pigmentation issues at that stage. So, no, let's not be ageist. I think
0: <laughs> we're open to all. You mentioned IPL before. I had a listener write in saying when it comes to IPL, what is the difference between narrow band and broadband?
1: Okay, nice question. So there are a variety of IPLs out there. The broad concept of IPL is it is a broadband light that's generated by a flash lamp. So it's light of multiple wavelengths that we direct to the skin to target dif- multiple issues in the skin. So what, and that makes them different to a laser because a laser is one single wavelength of light. So they are a bit different in the technology. So IPLs, we can utilize that broadband light to do different things selectively by having filters in an IPL that only selects or cuts off different wavelengths. There is a new... IPL system out there which is broadband IPL which is utilises all the very the different wavelengths right up to 1000 from about 400 nanometers to 1400 nanometers Um, and so that also combines all those wavelengths with heat and cooling so basically broadband just means more wavelengths And narrowband means that they've cut off some of the wavelengths to try and reduce the heat, but also to target the skin problem more effectively.
0: A listener asks, have treatments like Pico and Light and Bright been tested for treatment during pregnancy or are they a no-no because there's no data?
1: There is no specific data in pregnancy, As a general rule, we say we don't laser in pregnancy. There is actually not a problem lasering in pregnancy. You know, it's light on your your skin or into the top layers of the skin is not a risk in pregnancy. Um, We wouldn't do any ablative treatments where we're breaking the surface of the skin in pregnancy. There's a risk of infection and, um, you know, various things, perhaps altered healing but there's no reason you can't have these lasers in pregnancy probably the reason we don't do it is because your skin is in a different state while you're pregnant and personally you know I wouldn't I don't like the idea of lasering in pregnancy when whatever we're trying to treat may come back and you wait you you're spending money that is not going to give you value. So I think you just got to sit tight a little bit while you're pregnant. And it's better to have things addressed later on when things have settled down and we can predict what your response is going to be better.
0: I think I know what your answer will be to this next one but also on pregnancy a listener has asked would it be silly for me to start treating my post-pregnancy pigmentation while I'm planning for a second child? Uh Um, Not really
1: I mean I think we don't know when number two is going to come along Mm -hmm. so I think you can certainly start treating it Depends on what you're doing. If you're just using over-the-counter products, um, then absolutely go for it. If you're wanting to use um, prescription products and are actively trying to get pregnant, then I think we we would have to be more cautious about that and probably no. But if you're planning that pregnancy, you know, in six months' time, we've got a little window Mm -hmm. where we could treat you. Um, but if you're actively trying, I think probably you're better off waiting. The more sunscreen you can put on the better. And here we are being boring again, but look, (laughs) I think that that is your key and definitely look for those products, um, that help pigment that I mentioned before and go for it.
0: A lot of people submitted these last two questions for you. So this might be a nice place to wrap up on. What is your number one piece of advice for preventing and prolonging the need for skin rejuvenation ahead of time? And what is your number one piece of advice for healing or treating that pigmentation once we've already got it? Okay,
1: terrific answer, you know, questions. Prevention, my one piece of advice here is sun protect, as much as you can have a healthy lifestyle. This is the most important thing that you can do. Don't smoke, don't drink too much, exercise, eat well, that will trump anything else you can do. Choose, you know, your skincare wisely, but don't overdo it. You know, it's okay. (laughs) More is always not better. And if you can, get a retinol in there somewhere. The second thing is, you know, if you've got problems, I honestly think the best thing you can do is get a good diagnosis, Gemma, Um, because often people end up for a long time battling away, spending a lot of money, trying to improve things that they may not realise they've got and making it worse. So my one piece of advice is if you're really struggling with a problem with your skin, try and get yourself some good advice, whether that be a skin professional, start with, you know, a dermal therapist, but if you're not winning and it's not improving, try and see a GP and then perhaps a dermatologist if you need to. It'll just avert a lot
0: of angst. That was Dr Belinda Welsh, dermatologist and co-director of Complete Skin Specialists, who you can find on Instagram at Dr. Belinda Welsh and at Complete Skin Specialists. You can discover more about Candela Medical at candelamedical.com forward slash au or on Instagram at ANZ. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to The Glow Journal Podcast and thank you for joining me.